Hello everyone, Editing Frank here again. Uh, it's been a while. I just wanted to mention because we mentioned how we are pretty sick during the episode and we didn't mention one of the main reasons why, which is, well, uh, if you have looked at Twitter or seen the news recently, you've seen how there's been raging fires at the Amazon and it's horrifying, it's it's rough, it's rough, simply put. And on the Monday, the, the week we recorded it, was last week, um, the smoke from the fires was so intense on the Amazon, which is the north, that it reached the southeast, which is where Bruno and I were, and literally turned day into night. So everyone got sick, me and him included, and yeah, it, it is a real problem. So... Just wanted to make that message clear how well the Amazon's being turned and sold and being destroyed for the benefits of capitalism. So yeah, just just want to mention it quite lightly. So that's that. Anyway, uh, we carry on. We push through. I'm still sort of sick. O over a week later. So yeah, that's. It's killing us. It's literally killing us all. So, just wanted to give this sort of news and messaging sort of thing to you all. And yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode. It's something quite interesting. Bruno and I were really happy with it. So, we hope you enjoy it too. Um, so, yeah, now to the actual episode. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Left Page! Yay, here we are, again. <laughs> yes, this time we've got... It's another introspective episode, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a thing, it's very peculiar and strange and... Well, to be quite honest, it, it's it's gonna be something, so... Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah, we, we were talking the the last episode about... Uh, that we were thinking about talking about this author because he's just a a giant. Uh, he he's he, he's that kind of author that like how can I even begin to talk about it? Because it, it's that kind of person that it, it seems like he doesn't do literature because of literature. It's just a way of expressing the million <laughs> the millions of of aptitudes and and things that he could do um for not being so long our order is João Guimarães Rosa uh, I just wanted to say that because I was just reading here uh, I I I have read that he knew more but officially he knew eight languages that he was fluent in so <laughs> uh, and he read in in various dialects he he has uh we, we will put a link in, in the in the description but he has uh a great interview about his uh, magnum opus which is grand sertão veredas mm -hmm. it's an interview in in german oh, wow. uh, actually and it's in germany he he was invited but yeah it's it's just it's just that kind of person that he doesn't cease to impress us uh, as long as you read read and reread his stories and about his personal life it's always mesmerizing so yeah we we are talking about a giant today yeah right the uh, one of the things about brazilian literature that we that i've been thinking about lately for a while is that Regardless of what we think of uh, the state of Brazilian literature today, or the sort of entertainment literature, uh, which is of equal value, evidently, these sort of giants, these like tremendous and stupendous works, we have a huge list yeah. of Brazilian authors like that. Yeah, men and women alike, they are they are notable and they are well celebrated. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. And Guimarães Rosa is one of the absolute fucking best. Yeah. 
And while we're just going to touch on the short story today, he's definitely someone we're going to come back on. Yeah. Much like Machado just is, he's someone that you just... There's so much. And yeah. you can't go into him in just a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, you need time yeah, yeah. and a lot of work. And, we, and we'll, we'll do some of that yeah. here today. <laughs> but it's that sort of continuous thing. We'll do it in time. And, and that's fine. Yeah. We'll get to it. Yeah, we don't need to rush it. No, the, yeah. that's so, that's yeah. the exact point. Yeah, exactly. If we rush it, we're going to spoil it. It's It, it needs to be uh, appreciated well enough and with time. You don't rush literature. That's that's basically it. Yeah, it's something that needs to be weighed. It's something yeah. that needs to... To sink in. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the expression yeah. I was looking for. Because, like, of course, at times it's going to be easier. There are going to be moments where it's like, oh, okay, that that was that. And sometimes it's going to leave you like, what? <laughs> but okay, you got through it. All right. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to need to read it once, twice, thrice, and yeah. so on and so on. Because you're never... You're, sometimes you're not, never going to get what, what what is the point, yeah. really. And yeah. I think this is a perfect show yeah. for that. <laughs> I have... I've read it uh, more than once when we were young. Bruno did that, so yeah. we read it when we were younger. And now we, he, I imagine, reread it yeah. these past Numerous couple times, of years. Yeah. Uh, and I reread it a couple of times recently. But I, I'm still like, yeah, this is just as shocking as the first time. Yeah. And I still have no idea just as much as the th- first time. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the short story we're going to be talking about today is. The third bank of the river, at least yeah. how I found it translated in English. Yeah. I didn't find many versions, at least that I could access and read, or even show it to you folks. So I'm gonna. Um, I found a version. I'm gonna put the link in the show notes and all that. So you, you can go and read it. The translation's okay. Like. Yeah. The, the, I'm gonna leave Bruno to yeah, go into yeah, it so yeah, uh, the... I don't interrupt him. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there's some thing about the language of Guimarães Rosa that requires some time to yeah. consider. Yeah, because uh, Guimarães Rosa, as Tolkien, for example, he was uh, a, a lover of philology and he studied various dialects and the the, the proper structure of the, Portug- the Portuguese language and the, the Brazilian variants uh, from Minas Gerais, from the northeast, the nordest, Sertão, no, uh, in general. Yeah, it's too, too many languages to think about. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so uh, the the thing about and this is a, a a fun story that I just remember because last year I I I did that program that you help someone that comes from uh from an exchange yeah program. from an exchange program oh so you did that's nice. yeah I I did that. I did kind of in an informal way like I, I didn't sign in for the the stuff but I I saw a uh, it was uh, a boy uh, a a young man and a, a young woman from from China actually and. They were having Brazilian literature for that is solely about Machado, <laughs> and you imagine trying to read Machado Justice, which is hard for us uh, if you yeah. don't have a clue about Portuguese and a clue about uh, and Machado is from the nineteenth century, so it's actually it's actually really different kind of language mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So and after I read. A short story. Uh, it was actually Third Bank of the River. Yes, is, uh, I, I'm 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 messing up things in my head because it's so different in Portuguese. But <laughs> uh, but the thing about Guimarães Rosa is that he loved neologisms. Mm-hmm. So he actually studied a lot. To uh, I said that uh, Grande Sertão Vereda is is his magnum opus because he kind of condensed all of his anthropological studies and language studies in one in one book and so he tries to emulate as if the book is uh read uh, like a oral text not mm-hmm. a, a written text not not like the the experience of the the bourgeois experience that we have about 
reading it in our in silence quietly in our rooms the the book is made to be actually he said that the book is uh, actually written to be read out loud mm-hmm. and that and he uses these neologisms he he forcefully doesn't use the normative grammar yeah so it, it's really it, it, I, i mean it's simply impossible to translate it well yeah it's the same it, it, thing it's just like that yeah yeah it's like it's impossible to tra- to properly translate finnegan's wake yeah from joyce yeah exactly like, it's just something Ulysses, that releases for example yeah, yeah. like the, the, these sort of things like you can do but th- there's a point where it becomes impossible yeah just the way the the text depends on the way that that particular language operates exactly and that's always good to bring to mind that classic italian saying Traduttore, traditore, <laughs> uh, translator, traitor. Yeah, which is basically the point. Like, it is a sort of treason to the text. Yeah, the translation becomes a new text. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, but it is, of course, something's lost. Yeah, evidently, and especially when you have this, it's almost like a different sort of Portuguese, yeah. a different Brazilian Portuguese that uh, Rosa utilizes. Yeah, because he fuses it. With these sort of oral uh, words and expressions, yeah, and others that he creates, but are perfectly plausible. Yeah, it's like one that comes to mind is the one regarding remember, alembrar, because the usual word in Portuguese for remembering something is lembrar, which is the verb, but he adapted it and made it made it also alembrar, like the act of remembering. Yeah, which is also is already contained in remember, but it works and could work yeah so it does yeah <laughs> it, it's it's difficult to explain yeah especially in english yeah but hopefully it was somewhat coherent yeah but that was sort of the point it's it is a very particular language and in portuguese it's already really hard yeah <laughs> fucking hell like his first book of short stories Sagarana, the first story is brutal like I read it uh, this past uh, this past month of July, and it was like okay, let's let's push on through, and eventually you get it. Yeah. Eventually, it's like okay, I get what's going on, I get how how the language is functioning. Yeah. And then it becomes sort of normal. Yeah. It's yeah. an incredible process. Yeah, it, it's it's like you're learning a new language. Exactly. Basically, yeah. And like at first, like okay, it's difficult to fill in the gaps, but you do it as best as you can. Eventually, you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I see what you're getting through. I see what you're going. Yeah. Eventually, he's like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. I, I see it. So, do you want to make a... a yeah, the the problem about this, the short story is that it, it can be summarized in one phrase. Yeah. But it can't at the same time. Exactly. I think I'll do the summarization so you can go forth on the... Uh, okay, okay. Possible... <laughs> peculiar, strange, unthinkable, <coughs> various interpretations. Yeah. Because uh, you're the expert here, not me. Oh. <laughs> I'm just hitching a ride. <laughs> Funny how I made this podcast and brought you in, but you're sort of like the main point because you're the one in literature. <laughs> like, okay, I, I'm involved. I like it a lot. I read a lot. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm a historian. I'm not a, a, a man of literature. Yeah, yeah, but literature, you know, it's it's for everyone. Yeah, it's for everyone. Basically, That's the point. yeah, uh, yeah. So back to it. <laughs> yeah, the third bank of the river is the story about. Well, who's the story about actually? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's the story about the the little boy, which is the narrator. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, because as we were talking earlier, it's a story about trauma. Uh, yeah, I think that is one of the best possible ways that we can understand this story if we can. Trying to understand, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's sort of unknowable. Uh, the, the the problem about this uh, no, let do the summary first and then uh, I'll okay. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, basically this a little boy and his family, he has a sister and brother, uh, father and mother, they're all there, they work on sort of Field is sort of this uh, rural environment. It's never made entirely clear. Yeah. But there is the a river yeah, nearby. It, yeah. It's one mile from their house. Yeah. It's yeah. fairly close. Yeah. And the main focus of the story begins on the boy talking about his father. And his father was an average Joe, as yeah. Bruno put it to me earlier. Yeah. Uh, but just a little quieter. 
such a, <coughs> a bit shy, a bit more on his own. But yeah. Nothing particularly special, just ordinary, I guess. Yeah. Suddenly, one day, he has uh, he had the idea to make a canoe, a boat, sort yeah. of canoeish thing for one person, uh, something sturdy enough to last twenty to thirty years, and he does so. And once it's finished, in a very you talk about trauma. The narrator really does say he can't forget the day the canoe was ready. Yeah. And uh, the father has a little fight with his mother. And although not much, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. He just, he, son, he nods, he gives his blessing to his son, but he doesn't say a word. He pulls the, pushes the canoe out, he hops in, and simply stays there. Yeah. That's like the, the gist of the story is. The narrator, as time passes, as he grows older, as his sister, his brother, his mother, they move out, they leave, and his father stays there in the river, yeah. in the canoe, coming and going. Yeah. Uh, they so, The narrator says that he left him food every night in a sort of safe, hollowed-out trunk. Yeah. But... A rock. Th- th- that's it. That that's the point. Like yeah. he tries to communicate with his father multiple times. Yeah, they his, send his sister has a child actually, and, and they, they try to show it to him, and he just he doesn't show up. Ignores. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. to try and get his blessing and such, but he doesn't even show up. I don't think. Yeah, because he's he's in the river, so he comes and goes. Although he is, the idea is that he's present, so he's there. Although he's. At times he isn't. They try and send like soldiers after him. They try there's a priest, a, a priest to try and sort of exercise. Him. Yeah. There are there are even journalists that try in a speedboat to try and take a picture of him or something, and then he sort of disappears for a while. Yeah. And he actually it says in the short story that he knew really well the marshes. Yeah. So he actually just ran into the marshes like in a labyrinth that he knows really well and he just stayed there and the speedboat like couldn't find him (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i'll just note that you said ran there and uh to be sort of a dick i'm sorry Ah, i'm sorry yeah yeah he (laughs) he he doesn't he he never leaves the canoe yeah yeah he rode yeah yeah oh i'm not trying to correct your language i'm just saying he didn't really ran yeah yeah, because he he never left the boat yeah, yeah that's something the narrator says quite clearly like he never again touched land. He stayed in the canoe. Yeah. And so time passes. They all move out, except for the narrator who stays there. He, yeah. He says that he he's not like, he doesn't define himself as antisocial, but he says that he'll never marry. He'll never go anywhere. He'll, he'll stay there yeah, or something he, like that. He's a bit like his father. Yeah, that, that's important, <laughs> as we'll see. Yeah. And he, it, it is sort of brutal Man, because he... He grows old. He says that he grows old, that yeah. he feels the pains of age. And he started as a kid. Yeah. It's sort of brutal. And his father's there. And eventually he goes out and, like, sort of calls to his father, saying that whatever happens, he'll he'll replace him, that he'll take his place or whatever. And his father, like, unlike all the previous years, looks at him, gives a sign, and sort of heads towards him. But the narrator... Guess not for the first time, but once again cracks. Yeah, and runs away. Like yeah. he sees, and the translation that I saw uh, was like that he his father waving was like an otherworldly sight because it had been so long since he had ever shown any other response. Because even if he had been there, he had been nearby and close to his family and taking the food that they left each night for him. He he never waved. He looked at them, but he never made any sign or any contact. He was just there, but not there, evidently. Yeah, yeah. So, for this final moment, he does, and the narrator can't take it. He runs away, like, in fear and horror. The horror. The horror. The, the horror. horror. The horror. <laughs> the horror. Uh, I was reading uh, Joseph Corman's uh, The Heart of Darkness. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a thing. So it, it sort of came to mind, especially right in the end, as I'll get to in a second. Yeah. But, <coughs> sorry. Yeah, as you can see, <laughs> we both are a bit wrecked on our... on our Throats. Yeah, on our throats, yeah. 
fortunately my voice is better than it was earlier in the week so that's yeah. nice <clears throat> but the point is that like he cracks he runs away and he says that he's entirely ashamed yeah and, like he can't come back and that he has failed that he is a, a, a sort of poor excuse for a human being yeah like he doesn't say that but that's sort of general idea yeah, and he... his father was never seen again yeah that is made clear and as he sort of feels this pain, this shame, he's like the river. And his father's lost in the river, outside the river, the river, the river. Yeah. I think that's about how it ends. Yeah. So this is this uncertain story about something. Yeah, I think we should read the the ending. Ju- just know. like the... I think we should even read it in Portuguese and in English because... The sonority. Sure. You, you want to read it in Portuguese yeah. and read it in English. Yeah, so... Mas então, ao menos que no artigo da morte peguem em mim e me depositem também numa canoinha de nada nessa água que não para de longas beiras e eu, rio abaixo, rio afora, rio adentro, o rio. But when death comes, I want them to take me and put me in a little boat in the perpetual water between the long shores. And I, down the river, lost in the river, inside the river, the river. So we come back to what perhaps is the main point, or maybe not, the river. Yeah. It is... Yeah. Uh, Bruno, you want to take it away a bit? Yeah, so... Actually, I I don't really know where to dive first, because as we were talking earlier about... It's clear that, I, I mean, the, the the problem and the geniosity of this short story is that every kind of key of analysis, like every kind of way that you try to penetrate in this story, you can grasp it and you almost get there to a, to a conclusion and then you just... You, ju- you just die. Like, it just it dies out. You... you mm. You can't reach it, actually. And I think that's the, the geniosity of it. Because, as you as we were saying earlier, uh, I mean, he begins by saying that his dad was like an average Joe, and he was... He, like, he had no peculiarities. It's basically what he says. But then, it seems like his father had a, a episode of deep catharsis, an episode of deep illumination like he's just determined to do that he yeah. just orders the boat and he doesn't talk anymore he just goes and does it and it's it's just and when he as we see Guimarães Rosa utilizes really well the uh it's it's really a really short story I mean it's three pages long five five pages long I don't know and and he actually he 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 utilizes things that are really episodical and and really short in a way like he's talking about the exorcism and about the soldiers and it's all in like i don't know five lines yeah it's, it's like it was mentioned in passing yeah so but but it's such an important uh, aspect of the short story because it's all about this <laughs> that sense that his dad left, but he's still there, and yeah, yeah it, like this idea—it's—it's it's obviously it's impossible to not think about death, as we were talking in the last episode. Death is about ending, but it's about the journey, and it's about being remembered. And his dad left, yeah, but he's there, yes. So he died, but he's still alive, and that's the whole point of actually the title of the short story because in thesis there is no there is no third there is no third bank yeah a, a river can only have two banks by definition yeah so it, it i mean it's exactly the feeling that you get from the narrator it's the feeling that you get from his father it's the feeling that you get when you try to analyze the short story that's kind of kind of that you are lost between two margins 
and you actually yeah it, you know what i mean it's yeah because sense. you try as we were saying you try to to think about uh his the gesture of going away but still remaining close as death okay it, it seems plausible it seems like a good analysis but it, it doesn't reach anywhere yeah it's just like it, it's and it's really that's the best that's the most insane part for me because as we do in in, in studying literature it's all about it's all about the aristotelic way of thinking about the poies is the 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 poetic thing about you actually going deep and analyzing things that are fictional to bring it to 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 reality to to actually have some some meat in it in, in the sense of actually having a discussion that is brought to to the real discussion about society about anything that you that you can think about when we utilize fiction but here it's like this onirical perspective about it's like a learning that is not technical at all mm -hmm. it's about a learning like a a, a life lesson like yeah. a, actually a trauma like i don't know like when a, a family member dies uh when you break up with someone i don't know it, it's those traumatic experience that teaches us without words and we have this feeling about it but we can we can actually grasp it in a yeah. actual sense of oh this is what is bugging me or this is what made me really sad it's just about a a, a complex net of a, a web of feelings yeah that that, that seems that makes a lot of sense yeah. actually because especially when you talk about death like that it becomes really difficult to consider the ending because or or maybe not because what would then be his father waving back at him what would be how would we interpret his reply yeah and one way you could do that is like his son sort of accepting well i, I just came up with something it could be either his son, like, sort of accepting death, like this sort of presence and sort of necessity. Yeah. Or beyond that, it could be his son accepting the death of his father. Yeah. Because if we really accept that his father is gone, truly, because at the end of the day, that's what he is. He may be physically nearby, you may be able to see him, but you can't talk to him, you can't interact with him, he's just there for well all intents and purposes pretty much he's dead in one way yeah of the word yeah so it, it it could be him coming to terms with accepting the death of his father what then becomes sort of even more elaborate to understand is understanding running is that yeah because that was what culminates with his father ultimately like being gone forever what and, and it doesn't say he dies it says he disappears no one's seen him again so, of course, we imagine he died, but we're not sure. And the point, to me, it feels, is that in order to confront this, it requires a sort of delirium, even, yeah. which is a sort of stupor, which is how the narrator describes himself. He, he, he doesn't explain, like, no, I did this because I was thinking this. No, he just sort of went there and spoke uh, the, the words, like, uh, no, I will take your place, and etc., etc. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, there, there's it, no big ceremony about it. He just goes happens. there. Yeah. So, at, at that crucial moment, like, at this sort of facing this reality and running, like, he runs. Yeah, this leap of faith. Yeah. It's understanding, like, what what would he accomplish by staying? What would he accomplish by go by running? Yeah. Like, if he stayed, would he really take the place on the boat, or or maybe not? Or maybe just his father would come close and, I don't know, go back, or maybe die, finally. I, I don't know, I don't know, we can't imagine it because it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> so we can only, like, speculate. Yeah. But it, it, that, that seems to me, especially to think about trauma, what the narrator seems to describe from the very beginning is an experience that left deep marks in him something that hurt him profoundly 
and that begins when he says that the day the canoe was done, I can never forget. It is a moment of deep impact to him, and it's something that he can't really shake. Yeah. And especially considering like everything that's happened is like his current state after he ran, he's like this broken man, like psychologically. Yeah. He's this fear and this horror of death, this pain. It is. Like, he feels ashamed, he feels like a coward, he feels weak. Yeah. And this sort of longing for death, but still dreading it. It is, it is a sort of dreadful way to end the story. Yeah. From a narrative point of view, it is fucking beautiful and astonishing, of yeah. course. Yeah. But it is, it is really powerful, and it was really hard to take in. Because it's painful. At the end of the day, this story, like, it, it brings to me a great sense of solitude, a great sense of pain. So hard to to take in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that rough, rough, yeah. uh, simply put. And uh, I, I, you were mentioning it, it, it is really interesting how there are a lot of powerful symbols in the story. We talked about the priest, we talked about the journalists, we talked about soldiers. the soldiers. And, like, the priest is, like, obviously religion, this institutional religion that, like, doesn't get to the father. You have the journalist who's, like, the media of society in a sort of vague way. Yeah. They can't reach him. He, he runs away purposefully, but he sort of comes back, and that's, like, the sort of twist. And, like, the soldiers, like, the army, the state's forces, like, he's a man who's apart from everything, apart from humanity, if you will. Yeah. Like, he lives off, especially, like, the food that they leave him at each, every night. But he's, like, other than that, he's just there. He's someone who, for one reason or another, which is is made unclear, and the narrator doesn't know, but we know even less, why his father would do that. But the fact is, he separated himself from society. He cut himself off purposely in this sort of, as Bruno was mentioned, this sort of catharsis. Yeah. And, but he remains. Yeah. And the, I think the, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, but, not, not at all. But the geniosity of it is that actually, uh, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, when I was, uh, I was uh, listening to Warren G. Uh, this has nothing to do with That's fine. <laughs> But yeah, I was actually listening to Warren G and, you know, like Snoop Dogg, Warren G, Tupac, all these people uh, kind of invented the, the movement of G-Funk and that kind of style of rap. And lots of the songs of G-Funk talk about the actual process of creating G-Funk, like the method creating of creating G-Funk and the rhythm and the, the instruments that they use. And uh, the aspects that they use, and I, I, I thought to myself that uh, it's, it's actually that that question like, have all the songs been written? Have all the, <laughs> have all the the books been written? Have all the the poems been written? Uh, and in that way, I think that the only way to escape from that that horrible faith that maybe all of all of culture is about basically in a general sense the same thing about the human condition in a vague sense but Guimarães Rosa he's such a genius because you would expect that in in the action of someone staying 30 35 I don't know how many years he stays in the boat you would imagine that a good a good writer or narrator would use a tremendous reason a a, a, a incredible reasoning for him doing that and the whole short story is based on nobody knowing why he did it yes and that is man that's fucking insane man like it, it's it's just proving wrong that literature has any rules actually <laughs> and, and and it gives it, it actually gives me a bit of a of a feeling of ease because it's that question. I, I think I have all the the short stories been written well. It seems like no, because mm -hmm. when you have something like that, it's it's actually hard to 
uh, I think that's the shock about and, and the fact that he's not European as well. It's a Brazilian writer. It has it has a characteristic that it isn't is uh, the word common doesn't makes just doesn't make justice. It's <laughs> it's it's really I, I I don't even know how to say it. it's new in a yeah. way that uh, it, it's actually a bit terrifying. Oh, it's yeah. like you are reading like oh yeah it's a short story I know Guimarães Rosa I know what to expect and you don't. Yo, not at all, <laughs> not at all. Especially because like this, you can't really deal with the short. What is really difficult about the short story is the fact that you don't know why the father did that. Yeah, you don't, and you never will. And uh, neither uh, the son. Exactly. Yeah. And, like you can, you can sort of accept it as a legitimate reason. Like he had a, a sort of reason for doing it, and that was perfectly valid, and that's okay. Like you can accept that or you can accept that he didn't that he did it for some sort of inane senseless purpose and he was a fool for doing it and regardless of that you're not even close to why he did because the, the tr when you think about it being literature the answer of why he why he did it is he did yeah there is no answer yeah he simply did yeah for all intents and purposes, considering this is a real work of literature, is something that exists in the world, and that is concrete, all we have is the fact that he didn't. So, ultimately, there is no reason. Yeah. He simply does. Yeah. Maybe the story implies some reason that we, or at least that I haven't managed to figure out, but from what it's been seen by me, and from what I've discussed with Bruno and others, there is no reason. That does not exist, and that's fine. Yeah, that that is hard to take in. Yeah, it's hard to accept that. Like, yeah, we don't get it. That's okay. Yeah, not not all stories need that gotcha moment. Yeah, so that like, yeah, oh, I see what's going. No, yeah. sometimes it's just about that's a thing that happened. Yeah, and that's that. Yeah, and it's exactly what we were saying in the beginning about letting it sink in because it's a feeling that we don't have much anymore nowadays in a way of we don't exert creativity and loneliness and all these kinds of feelings anymore the way that we did even five years ago uh -huh. even 10 years ago like i mean me uh, me and frank we we are basically the the last like we have we, we were born in in 98 so we are the generation that actually grew up without technology in a sense and actually as we were midway through our teen years we actually like had our first cell phones but it's a way like i remember being 12 and 13 and the sense of loneliness was really different yeah really different because i remember being alone at in my in my bedroom in a Sunday afternoon, and that was loneliness. Yeah. It, 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 and it was a mix of feelings, in a sense of you were actually being left alone with yourself. Yeah. And nowadays that doesn't happen anymore. So because you always have a way to talk with someone, you always have your cell phone, you always have your computer, you always have actually... You don't even need to exert your creativity anymore. If you want to think about a story, you actually can Google about similar stories to inspire yourself. And that's the whole point about Guimarães Rosa being so such a genius because he's actually... And, and I think this story in general is about how we treat time as well. Yeah. And... Nowadays, it's actually a big problem because we don't know how to to treat time anymore. We, we don't know how to deal with time anymore. As as I was talking to Frank earlier, I've been sleeping five hours, four or five hours every night for the past week because I I just lay in my bed and I stay on my cell phone and 
I mean, we we actually we have so much technology and so much ways to to control things, and in the end, we, we are getting we are getting controlled in ways that we don't even imagine, like social media. I always see people, uh, our friends, for example, I saw Mel the other day talking about leaving Twitter. Yeah, always and, a good idea. Yeah, it's always a good idea. And I, I actually, I, I left Facebook. I, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it as thoroughly as everyone else. But at the same time, I am completely possessed by YouTube, for example, by Messenger. And yeah, it's... And when you actually read something that doesn't have a, a obvious answer and the it it literally doesn't fucking care about the 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 person who is reading. Yeah. It's yeah. He 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 doesn't want to satisfy anyone. It's yeah, a, absolutely. It's a, it's a story. It's like I feel like when I read this this short story, it almost feels like. I'm listening to someone telling the story. I, I I almost feel like it's like someone telling the story to someone that isn't me, and I'm just listening in the same in the same room in a, in a way like eavesdropping. Yeah, it, it's like, it, and that's the point. You're eavesdropping there, and and you you can you don't know the the motivation. You don't know. Why it ends like that, and it it's supposed to make sense, and it doesn't. And yeah, it's like it's a story that is actually a perfect way of thinking about it because it's a story that you, like you can't grasp around it, you can't ask the people you're hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, and like it, there's so many missing parts, and you just have to deal with it. Yeah, you either accept it as something that happened and it's okay, or you just no, that that's nonsense. They weren't talking anything. It's just you ignore it and put it away. Yeah. But that that's a lot more difficult to do. What yeah. you end up doing is trying to handle number three, which is like, okay, that's a thing. What 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 is it? What actually was that? And how can I think about this knowing what I do know? Yeah. Was it this? Was it that? I I'll never know, but uh, yeah, I'll think about it. Yeah, and, and we will think about and, it. And even the the. F- the format of the short story it actually gives us the opportunity to read it again and try to understand but the problem is that if you read it again it's even worse it is because <laughs> it's like it's for it's even it's foreshadowed in ways you don't expect yeah so it gets worse and worse and even more confused and you get even more like ramifications i don't know yeah ramifications yeah you get even more ramifications and all these ramifications don't go until that end that you can actually grasp it. So you you're just left alone in the dark, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 is a thing that happens. Yeah. Because like you just you can't simply you can. Yeah. It is a thing. You listen to it or you read it, and you're sitting there. Oh, okay. Okay. And especially about the rereading. At first, when you see, oh, a sturdy canoe that will last 20 to 30 years, you yeah. obviously think, oh, that's more, probably more than enough or whatever, he'll use it and eat it. <laughs> that's not really true. He was planning on using that canoe for 20 to 30 years, yeah. if we believe the narrator. Because yeah. the narrator, in a very painful passage, which I made allusions to. So there's a particular point I want to quote here, which is especially sort of pressing. Because it's narrator talking about him getting old. So especially this bit about 20 to 30 years. Yeah. It's like, it, this time I actually passed. So it's like, I was beginning to suffer from old age. In which life is just a sort of lingering. I had attacks of illness and of anxiety. I had a nagging rheumatism. And he, why, why was he, why, why was he doing it? He must have been suffering terribly. He was so old. So... And the narrator goes on on his father being even older, if you think about it. It's almost unbelievable (laughs) that his father was still alive and alone in a canoe, rowing all the time, barely barely eating, either in in the blazing sun or a torrential rain. He was there, he was alive. And to think about this theme of the passage of time, 
it is like this comes very early in the short story when before the canoe is ready and we of course we don't imagine because we how why would we ever imagine that someone would need to use the canoe constantly (laughs) for 20 to 30 years (laughs) it's absurd yeah and that's the point yeah i feel at least it is i feel like a good way to take in this story is absurd yeah that's a good starting point yeah because in all sense of the word be it be it the father simply having this sort of realization epiphany catharsis whatever and requiring the boat to be there be it the son at the end sort of facing the ghost or whatever of his father yeah that was still there and running away be it like this amount of the passage of time this him suffering and his father still like sort of there it is it is absurd, I think, in all sense of the word, where you can't really rationally grasp either of them. Because at the end of the day, we have no clue of what of why what rationally would make the father do that. Yeah. And although it is incredibly intelligent in the writing, because it is mentioned later at the end that the word crazy as translated wasn't was never spoken in the household no yeah. one thought the father was crazy they just didn't understand what it was exactly yeah and it, it's like it said either we're all crazy or no one isn't so yeah we, we didn't, oh my god man th- yeah. there's this sort of thing they don't it's never a judgment yeah upon the father yeah which is still quite weird if you think about it uh because i judged a hell out of it yeah obviously yeah and, and i think that's the point because Actually, the sole aspect that we can actually try to analyze it, this short story fully and completely and trying to go over the, the, what the son knew or what the family knew, it, I, I was going to talk about this earlier and you, you, you just hit the nail on the head because it's about flirting with going through like in what we talk about being crazy or or being mad in a sense of actually going through something a state that you can't go back mm-hmm. and this short story kind of seduces you to i mean it seems like the only way to understand it it's in a non-logical way yeah so it actually, because as we were talking, like at all means, it seems like the father is dead, and it's just a story about griefing and superation in a in a way of um, not thinking about in not thinking about the memory of the dead in in sorrow and in in this kind of sad way, but it's clearly not death as well because as as we were saying earlier like if he never saw his father again and he never thought of his father again that's not death because yeah when it when any person that you knew dies you always will remember even if you remember about them one time a year it's it's about memory yeah so absolutely. so when the son doesn't see the dad anymore it seems to me like it's impossible for him to be dead the dad the dad be dead <laughs> because he would remember his father it's as simple as that but at the same time he doesn't see him anymore so something happened something happened and that's what we were talking about the the, the third bank because the dad is the complete is the complete commitment about something that doesn't have a reason as we the reader's perspective and the son w- which would have to carry this heritage yeah he is the complete fail of this kind of duty yeah that makes sense and the son goes away and we don't know where he has gone and the father goes away and we doesn't we don't know where he has gone as well so it seems to me like and it ends talking about 
the river. The river. So yeah, it, it, it's that <laughs> my brain is hurting right now. Yeah, mine is too. Yeah, because it seems like they both pass on through, like in in science, in technical words, it seems like they just went into a portal and went into another dimension. Yeah, <laughs> but what dimension and, and which dimension? In a way of it's the same dimension. They go to the the third bank. They go <laughs> together. It's the river, the third bank. Yeah, that's what. At or least what or I the felt. canoe is the third bank. Mm. And, and uh, oh my man! And, and as we were talking, like the river is actually in in its essence the the midway between land and and the sea. Yeah. So it's actually also the midway and the third. <laughs> uh, it's oh man. Yeah. I I will stop here. <laughs> yeah, like some something else that I just realized is because, like the father is in a way one of the main characters of the story. Yes, although he, he if you will, he has two actions in the story. He goes into the canoe and into the river, and he responds to the son and sort of heads towards him at the end. Other than that, the father's like there. Yeah, he shows up, but he doesn't act in the sort of usual way. Who act, or those who act, are the family. Yeah. In a sense, we can think of it less than a story about the father and then a story about the family. Yeah. It's a story about how the others deal with it. Like how the the, the son can't really handle it. How the rest of the family was sort of tormented and pained by him or his leaving or his loss or whatever that may be. How his mother, although hopeful and sort of discreetly helping the the son take food towards him every night, she refuses him as well and moves away. Yeah. With another part of the family. So it is... When we think about it as a story of grief, that becomes even more present. Because that way we understand, like, the son doesn't handle grief. Yeah. The others do. They they understand that regardless... And at the end of the day, I guess it is a story about grief. Even if the father isn't dead. Yeah. Because he is actually gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He will never come back for it. That, that remains clear. So <laughs> they go. They move on. And that's fine. We can't really blame them. Because if we think about it as an actual experience of grief, that is what happens. They accept it and move on. And the son never did. The son remained. And when he tries to sort of, I don't know. Resolve himself. Yeah, yeah, it it is difficult to understand what happens. He also can. Yeah. And he breaks and runs towards X. And he is in X. So where? We don't know. But he he may still be there or he may not. We don't know. It feels like he's somewhere else, but he still hasn't move on, moved on. Yeah, that is like, like the point. The point is that he's still trapped to the river. Yeah, to his father. And he says that he wants to die in the river as well. Yes, that when he's really old and how he's dying, and in that final moment that he wants to be in the river. In the canoe as well. Exactly. Yeah. Drifting, gliding through the river. The river. Yeah. So, yeah, it is It is sort of ineffable. You can't. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, exactly. Regardless of what we say, this is a story that is just fucking hell. Yeah. I, I, I just can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I'm just sort of breaking here. Yeah. Because you, 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 you read the story and you're left unsatisfied. You're left yeah. frustrated and you're left sort of concerned. Then you try to analyze it to find any, if, like, one answer. And you don't. Yeah. I guess, if anything, this story shows us that how powerful, how difficult it is to handle grief at yeah. first. I'm just trying to, not trying to finalize necessarily, but just trying to draw some conclusions so this episode isn't just us two rambling about a story yeah. which is dear to us. <laughs> Which would be fine too, but still, you want to give the sense of purpose. Yeah. So grief, number one. Yeah. Number two, number two, 
Yeah, if, if sorry, but if Guimarães Rosa Go had on. a podcast, he he would just end it in the middle of a sentence. I think <laughs> he would. He would. He's like oh, because so, well. that's the that's the point. We are here trying to summarize and trying to find a conclusion to this podcast and this episode about a story that doesn't doesn't have a conclusion, and <laughs> it, it it seems like we could talk for days here. Yeah, yeah. Because like we we can't really draw anything. We can make, make, have a few ideas about yeah. <laughs> where things are pointing. So like grief is a reasonable one. Death yeah. in that sense as well. Too. Time, time is a is a good reasonable one. Like how do we deal with the passage of time and dealing with the places it was, people changing, negation of society as well. Exactly the sort of because that's the thing. He isolates himself, but he doesn't go the full mile. Yeah. Because if he did truly isolate himself, he he would be seen, right? He'd be gone, but he isn't. He's still yeah. there, but he isn't. Yeah, that's that's why the ending is powerful in the sense of his father uh, waving towards him, because all those years, the father he at the most looked on, but most of the time he was just there doing his own thing, whatever there was nothing maybe yeah and he was there like there's no he's he's cut himself off from humanity yeah while still being this sort of line of sight thing it doesn't matter like he for all intents and purposes he's not there he's there in body but in any sort of social collective presence yeah. he's gone yeah he's... and that is fucking Maybe that's sort of the point. Maybe yeah. this isolation is another point that is terrifying. Yeah. To apart yourself from reality or from humanity in this regard, it is brutal. Because in his case, it is complete. It is absolute. Yeah. And, and knowing the reasoning behind it would be the key to actually leaving society as well. Yes. And but the, we don't. And, and that's the, the, the breaking point about madness and about so-called craziness of like i don't know like uh i don't know if his name is john but john mccandle is the, the story about into the wild oh yeah it's a story but we know the reasoning there and we know how it ends but here it's it's just a soul he just goes and he rests in this solitude of being and not being and presence and absence absence and it's yeah he he yeah the the, the name of the short story is, is just yeah he he's residing in this third bank in this third bank this, maybe that's that's the... that that non-existent bank yeah it's it's just too fucking complicated to <laughs> yeah, it, it, I guess that is a good place to sort of draw towards a conclusion here because uh, uh, if we go on any longer, we're probably going to be driven mad. Yeah. Because it's... It, it, that's the problem. You can't grasp at anything. Yeah. 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 It's always a vague, translucent straws. So, maybe this third bank is this... Maybe it is a place. Maybe it is a thing. Yeah. But we don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it is nothing. Yeah. And it is just him being the canoe. Close yet far. Why why not leave entirely? Why stay near? Why leave at all? Those are answers those are questions we can never find the answers to. Whether they exist or not. And perhaps it it only leads us to reflect upon this and to think about how our individual relationship to society and to humanity in a general way, how it operates, how we communicate, how we live in society with others, and how, at the end of the day, I guess, how we do not want this solitude, how whether A, we can't handle it, yeah. or B, it is undoubtable, unfathomable trauma. There it goes. That's a good word. Yeah. So, and beyond that, if we think about it as grief, grief is this sort of encompassing thing. It is not something that you get rid of easily. 
it is something that affects your whole being and does bring you down. Yeah. It is something that it takes its time. It takes its sense. And it maybe time is one of the key points. Like in, in there's a brilliant episode I'll put in the show notes as well, where Revlov talks about grief. Or was it co- do with confidence? Maybe both. I'll check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I think it was Revlev, but Coffee of Commerce may have done something similar. I don't recall. In any case, they're, they're both great. Go listen to it. But I'll yeah. put whatever episode I'm thinking of in the show notes. But grief requires this time. It requires time outside of the capitalist space. It's something that can't really be measured. It can't be acutely defined in this usual manner that under capitalism. It is something else. And it can't be done alone. Yeah, I think it's Revlev. It's communal grief. Yeah. And maybe that's where the narrator fails. Because he's left alone. And maybe alone he can't handle this grief all by himself. Maybe he needs someone else. Maybe yeah. he needed his family. Or maybe he should have moved on with them. Or maybe he couldn't. Yeah. But he can't face it alone. And then when he tries to reach to someone else, someone else is his father. <laughs> yeah. And maybe therein lies that a second trauma of yeah. his, of his running away, of his unable to face it, yeah, whatever it may be, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think the third bank of the river is a story that we can't grasp at all, even if we can point out to some possible past to think about, and it is a story that definitely changes you and and. Yeah. To, to to pick a definition from our friends at the Hall of Anchor, it is a story that does things to your body. It is horror. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. Like, you laugh and I do. Yeah. But it is horror. Yeah. Because it is pain, it is trauma, and it is the most absolute and powerful unknown. Yeah, and it, it, it just rests with you. It's like... It doesn't go away. Yeah, it doesn't go away. We're sorry. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> And and there goes the third trauma. <laughs> the trauma that we inflicted on you guys. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's that's not it, but, but it, it but is, is a, it. <laughs> it it's yeah. a, as good a point as any to sort of draw the line here before we, we lose it too. Yeah. <laughs> and we get the <laughs> trauma. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thanks a lot for listening to us. It's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, it's it, it is something we, wow, just it, it's just a thing. Hopefully, if hopefully if you've enjoyed this, and if you have didn't stop and read it as when we mentioned it was in the show notes and short, uh, go read it immediately. Yeah, and come back, or if you've already re-listened to it or whatever, it, it is read it, uh, listen to this think about it with other people it is a story to be shared and to be reflected communally yeah it is it's not something just to handle alone it is too painful for that yeah and maybe that's the point too brother brotherhood begins in shared pain absolutely (laughs) absolutely so yeah that's i think i think we're gonna be stopping here yeah uh any last comments before i give the usual structure thing okay so thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be here soon enough. Bruno's Bruno's going on trip. Yeah, so I'm actually going to visit the birthplace of mafia and anarchism, Sicilia. <laughs> oh, lovely Italia. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so hopefully you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, and we'll be hope. You know, we we're gonna have to record an episode immediately when you get back. Yeah, or I don't know, maybe I'll record an extra episode with someone else. <gasps> oh my god, that's treason. <laughs> <laughs> or not? I don't know. We'll yeah, see. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash left page. Please help us out if you can. We again, we've been slightly late on things. But we should, uh, uh, by the time this goes up, July things should have already gone up. August will have to be developed after Bruno comes back, yeah. along with September. Yeah. So we're sorry again, but we, we're we getting on it, okay? Yeah. We're sorry. We're almost we're, there. We're, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're almost there. Yeah. We're just two months behind, yeah. as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It happens. It happens. We'll, maybe September will get things clear. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. 
So I think that that you can find us on Twitter at, at leftpagepod. And I think that's where we're going to be leaving it off today. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. And to the next one. Silencioso, sério, nosso pai não diz, diz Risca terceira, água da palavra Água calada, pura, água da palavra Água de rosas, dura, proa da palavra Duro silêncio, nosso pai Margem da palavra Entre as escuras, duas margens da palavra Clareira, luz madura, rosa da palavra Meio a meio rio ri, por entre as árvores da vida o rio rio ri, por sob a risca da canoa o rio viu vi, o que ninguém jamais ouviu ouvi ouvi ouvi, a voz das águas, asa da palavra, asa parada agora casa da palavra, onde o silêncio mora brasa da palavra, a hora clara nosso pai. Fora da palavra, quando não se diz nada, fora da palavra, quando mais dentro aflora, tora da palavra, e o pau enorme, nosso pai. Meio a meio rio, ri, por entre as árvores da vida, o rio, rio, ri, por sob a risca da canoa, o rio, viu, vi, o que ninguém jamais ouvida, ouvi, ouvi, ouvi. A voz das águas, asa da palavra, asa parada agora, casa da palavra, onde o silêncio mora, brasa da palavra, a hora clara, nosso pai. Hora da palavra, quando não se diz nada, fora da palavra, quando mais dentro a